SEN Fridays in the top end, 16.11am, thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin, we will love your listing. Just Robbie the Guru Hale in the studio with me this weekend. Remember, if you are listening to the show, we want to know where you are listening. We want to know how you are listening to it, whether it's via the app or on your radio through the car. Um, and we want to know the place too. What are you doing? Where are you driving? Driving to work or going for a stroll in the morning? Let us know. Call or text in at 0426 307 269. That is 0426 307 269. Hopefully we get some calls or texts today. <coughs> Robert, how was your week, mate? Yeah, pretty busy, mate. I um, just got back from Canberra on uh, Wednesday. Pretty cold down there, but it was um, not bad. Went into Parliament House and did some training and that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, got busy. How was your week, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, the old Wallagi Falcons primary school team were eliminated yesterday in the AFLNT primary school competition. Yep. First Holy Family, so a few recognisable names there. There's a couple of Anstesses running around and a couple of the um, young kids who are in the NT team this year, so they were always going to be hard to beat. But well done to Cameron Carmichael and Kerry O'Connell and all the great work they do at Wallagi Falcons. They train pretty much every day at recess or lunch, one of those um, periods, which is quite a fair bit. You don't get... Every you know teacher up in Darwin willing to sort of show that level of commitment for their kids and really good work by Cam Carmichael mm. and Kerry O'Connell there and everyone else involved in that primary school competition. There's some big schools that aren't submitting teams. Um, I don't want to say because of the laziness of the teachers, but yeah. you know that might be not too far off the mark. So final next week, I'm not too sure exactly what it is. I think it could be uh, either Holy Spirit. I think the winner of Holy Spirit and Nakara um, play Holy Family. So. Pretty recognisable schools there. Holy Family go in odds-on favourites there. Pretty short, can you imagine? You'd have to think so. I mean, I don't want to analyse, you know, a primary school game too much, <laughs> but they've got really good top-end talent. So if we can sort of, you know, if another team can sort of negate some of their NT-level players, they might be half a chance. Um, mm. But yeah, some sort of players to watch for the future there. So yep. good stuff there. But it has been a big week, Robbie, in uh, Territory Football. The Central Australian Football League Grand Final was last weekend with Federal victorious, capping off, I think, an undefeated season. They were pretty dominant all year. Um, had a little chat to Abe Ankers last night. We might try and get him on the show. Uh, he was pretty busy this morning. Um, we said, all right, I said, take the morning off and we'll try to get you next week. So be good to chat to Abe Ankers. He has had a really, really interesting um, last year. You know, he's played in three senior premierships in under 12 months, which is pretty... Yep handy. Obviously, if we're getting technical, the Wangaratta one that he won in the Ovens and Murray was stripped because of salary cap reasons, but mm. got that flag. Um, Waratah in the NTFL. Federal in the CAFL. He won the Minahan medal last week, his third one. Um, pretty brilliant footy career, really, by Abe Ankers. Where do you see Abe as a player? Like, you know, how do you compare him to, say, your Brody Filers of the world and, and some of the other top-line midfielders that have played in the territory over the last decade? Yeah, he definitely ranks right up there, doesn't he? Um, and, you know, the depth of that Waratah midfield in the end, he wasn't really, he wasn't the main mover in that premiership, but, you know, he was just able to play his role and, um, you know, him with Brody Carroll and those guys. And then you also had Robbie Turnbull through there. And um, so they had definitely had some very high-level blokes through that midfield. And it just shows how strong Waratahs are that, you know, they've, that's how, you know, that's why, that's why I think they're really going to be, um, you know, pretty short sort of favourites for the flag this year. Um, I reckon they do go back-to-back with um, what I'm hearing around the other NTFL clubs as well. But, yeah, it's definitely in that sort of best 
five to ten players in the uh, last ten years, Clarky. It was a real luxury, wasn't it, for Waratahs last year that anchors could sort of play that bit role a little bit more mm. um, and sort of step in. And obviously he had some dominant games last year too. Yep. But compared to previous years, he's almost been like a one-man band at Waratah. Mm. And I reckon last year he was able to sort of step back and just play play his role more offensively um, and obviously chipping in with the defensive stuff. But you throw in Goulden and the Collis boys and every other yep. midfielder that, you know, as you mentioned, you went through them before. Um, very good team to slot into. Yep. Hey, Danielle Ponta, did you see her goal last weekend? Yeah, it's very good. It was about um, 75, 80 metres out. I don't know if that goal is ever going to get beaten as the longest goal in AFLW. Like, seriously, she was, she was probably in the, she was near the circle, wasn't she? Yeah, she was I think well she was five metres. Yeah, but off well the into the bounce. square. Yeah, five metres off where the bounce was, I yeah, think. That is crazy. Um, big game for her this weekend, too, in the AFLW. Uh, for the first time ever, she will be playing against Essendon. So yep. Adelaide play Essendon. Um, of course, related to the Long family, very close to the famous football family there that have done some great things at the Bombers. Um, we spoke to Danielle a little while ago now when we were at the waterfront there in that, that rainy day. Yep. And um, pretty interesting stuff when she was talking about Essendon there, I reckon. Um, yeah. She is one of those ones who said, loves the Crows, committed to the Crows, 100% a Crows person. But, um, you know, I imagine growing up in Essendon supported her whole life and had family relatives there. So... I wouldn't say it's going to be complete, you know, mixed emotions for her, but I reckon it might be pretty special for her playing this weekend. Well, she never really said that she wouldn't not go to... Um, yeah, would not, not, yeah <laughs> so she said she had some issues. And I, I think, reading between the lines, I think Bombers did offer her something, mm. um, but it was something look a lot less than probably what she's worth or what the Crows were giving her as contract-wise in, in those tier one, two, three sort of setups. So... She ended up staying at Adelaide and be interesting. Definitely would not surprise if she does move from Adelaide at some point. It will be probably to the Bombers, I'd imagine. Yeah, and obviously a player that would be in high demand if she ever made that decision. Mm. A, um, named best by the Crows in the opening game. So, yep. uh, yeah, very good footballer. Very accomplished player at AFLW level. Hey, I was a bit disappointed um, during the week, Robert, with the announcement that Jack Paris wouldn't be offered a contract at St Kilda next year. Um, it seems incredibly harsh for the 19-year-old. I thought... One of the more surprising delistings, especially involving a territory player that I can remember for quite a while. He's had some strong form at VFL level and would have been a great trainer. He's a hard-working kid. I watched a couple of games that he played for Sandringham and his, his chase down tackling and, and even his neat skills and, and clean hands were a real highlight. I thought his debut was good, had the 13 disposals. Um, that involved a couple of excellent rundown tackles as well. Yeah. Ross Lyon had some interesting comments after his debut game. It was something, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something mm. along the lines of, uh, you know, he really learnt what it was like to play at this level. Or he learned a lot of lessons today, and then to get dropped the next week. Um, you know, at first it sort of seemed like it may be a positive quote from Lyon, but by saying that, dropping him the next week, and then delisting him three or four weeks later, it makes mm. it seem like Ross must have thought he was well out of his depth or something. But I don't know. Like, we know it's a cutthroat injury, but did this take you by surprise? Somewhat did, but you know, you go look look at list spots and that sort of thing. I think list spots are pretty tight now, and definitely was a big surprise. But you could see that you know where St Kilda are at, where they need to go, um, and they're sort of going to be busy in the off season as well. But it wasn't massive surprise, and it just sort of begs the question on where to now for him. Um, I'd imagine that he probably stays in Victoria or heads to SANFL. Um, if he's not given another opportunity, but no doubt I reckon an AFL club will be giving him a preseason somewhere. That's what I was thinking. Um I have had really very, very brief chats with people close to Jack and the family, <clears> and they uh, seemed like it was a surprise that he was delisted from St Kilda. I don't think it was anything that was fully expected. Um, but at the same time, there was a little bit of optimism 
in their replies that perhaps he might get another opportunity. You yeah. would suspect, you know, if I was an AFL list manager, I'd throw out the lifeline. There's not too little to lose by offering a kid like Jack Paris, who's going to be a good trainer. Like, he finished in the top five or top six in St Kilda's time trial. He would be an exemplary trainer, I'd imagine. Um, I would send a kid like that, give him an opportunity just on your train-on list and see how he goes, give him four or five months in the preseason or however long preseason goes for three or four months um, and see if you can fight it out and earn that spot on the list. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, I think... You know, we're not making such grand statements that, oh, Jack Harris was going to be a future Brownlow medalist and things like that. Like, who knows? But I just thought he did enough in his brief time. I think that, you know, it's baby steps. I said the same about Anthony Mankara. I think if a player that you draft at 18, especially as a rookie, shows improvement or a decent level of improvement, then you normally um, go on with that. But again, there's always two sides to the argument, and, and I think list sizes are getting cut down, I believe, in the AFL. So, you mm. know, AFL clubs probably... I don't think Paris is going to be the only player um, that has a hard decision his way. So, yeah, what do you think he would do? Obviously, we'll move on from this chat, but do you think Paris will... Is he the type that's going to come up and feature for Nycliffe for a little bit, or do you reckon he's just going to stay there and do the right thing and be a VFL player or Sandville player? Another opportunity if, I'm, if I'm making an assumption, I don't think the Nycliffe stuff ended on good terms, I don't think. I think that he was pretty disappointed with the way they treated him in those years. Um, so I don't reckon... I don't know if he or would... Like lack of senior opportunities? Or lack of senior opportunities and just putting him in the 18s and stuff. Um, that was a few years ago, though. But I think he's got to stay in the VFL, SNFL systems. Um, obviously, he was a Category B rookie, so that does make it a bit tricky um, to take a list spot, but... I think, you know, he's definitely got, you know, a lot of attributes for AFL football. The pace and the fitness is, like, at an elite level. So, obviously, he probably needs a bit more footy now and that sort of stuff. But that's going to come, and I thought it did sort of develop a lot. So, yeah, um, yeah I guess that, you know, he's, a- <coughs> he's only 19, so um, it would be important for him to get down and um, to get a pre-season into him at an AFL club if that opportunity arises. Because he's a raw player too, Rob. <coughs> like, he's not a player that grew up you know, playing football his whole life. Obviously, mm. he would have had a taste of it when he was very young because he's come from a football family and stuff like that. But Jack Paris, when I knew him as a, you know, teen and kid and that sort of stuff, was more of an athletics kid. Sort of, you know, whenever you would see um, all the awesome things he was doing in the athletics world, it would be because it was, yeah, he's broken a 400-metre record or he's qualified for the Australian 200-metre team or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, I was really excited to watch his journey. I thought it was going to be a two-, three-, four-year thing at least at St Kilda. Um, obviously not. So, fingers crossed for Jack Paris, who um, is a good kid too. He works hard. He's, he's always very accessible. So, hopefully he gets an opportunity at AFL level again um, at another club that's not the Saints. We have plenty to talk about, Rob. We will go to a break. Obviously, it's the finals in the AFL. We've got a final, a grand final in the Big Rivers Football League. Nolan Boys Saints broke an 18-year premiership drought, which we sort of half-touched on last week, but we might chat about that a little bit more. And, of course, all the other sports as well. I want to talk to our producer, Ollie Landos, about his time in the UFC as well. We both watched that card with keen interest. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter.